need to go ahead and get it going. So there we go. So it's good to be here. Definitely some unusual times, but don't need to keep repeating that um, echo. It is what it is. And our God is on the throne doing what he's always done, which is what? Ruling and reigning throughout all eternity. And so with that, that's who we come to uh, meet with. That's who we come to um, set our hearts upon is King Jesus. And um, I pray today that you will, will hear that in the sermon. So I think Brother Carl has the sermons up that we're going to read some scriptures. And so if you stand to your feet and we're going to be talking today, suffering, evil and the sovereignty of God. We've been over this for the last few weeks. And so we're going to today we're going to focus in on suffering and evil. And I pray um, it would minister to you as it has with me already. So we're going to start out in the book of Acts first and then we're going to stay in Acts and then we get into the word. Here we go. Acts chapter two, it says, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you use lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. Chapter four of Acts. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. Acts chapter um, seven. This is referring to the, the Israelites called Hebrews. The writer of Acts says, as the time was approaching to fulfill the promise that God had made to Abraham, the people flourished and they multiplied in Egypt until a different king who did not know Joseph ruled over Egypt. And he, this new king, he dealt deceitfully with our race and oppressed our ancestors by making them abandon their infants outside so they wouldn't survive. And then in Acts chapter 9, this is where we're going to end here, 9 through 20. This is in reference to King, I mean, Paul, I mean, Saul, who later becomes Paul, Apostle Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament here, where it says, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man and how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has had authority here from the chief priest to arrest all you, all who called on your name. Well, the Lord said to him, go for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings and Israelites. And I will show him, this is very important, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And Ananias went and entered the house and he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me that you may regain your sight and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at once something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight and then he got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food and regained his strength, verse 20, 
Is that it? Well, it's 19. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. For those of you who are on Facebook Live, I'm so sorry that we haven't have not been able to put our slides up on Facebook Live so you can follow along with us as we walk through this, um, some of these passages today, but I'm going to do my best to preach it as loud as I can. So hopefully by God's grace, you will be able to still um, track with us as we um, um, walk through God's word here this afternoon. And so let us begin. Suffering and evil in the sovereignty of God. Um, the next slide, um, Brother Carl, you can go there on our keynote here. I'll give him Brother Carl some time because I've done all this today on the keynote. So um, the next one, go back. Um, there's one before that one, it's number two. Yep, went after that one. Uh, no, that's not it. Should start with a Westminster um, larger catechism. Okay, that's it right there. All right. It says here, um, Chad read to you 12, and because we, we talk about this today, and so I didn't really want to have Chad try to read all of that, but just kind of picking back on what he read with question 12, I'm just going to read this. You don't have to repeat it, but um, the writers here in Westminster Catechism, they, they, they flesh this out even more so because it's, it's a lot of stuff here. And so in question 13, which follows question 12, they say, what in particular has God decreed about angels and human beings? So let's read. Let's see what they say. They say, by an internal and unchangeable decree, referring to God's sovereignty, which originates merely from his love, God is love, exists for the praise of his glorious grace and is to be revealed at the proper time. God has elected some angels for glory and in Christ has chosen some human beings for eternal life along with the means by which his choice will be accomplished, meaning no one or nobody or any king or any queen or anyone will be able to stop God from accomplishing his purposes and whoever he's decided to save. And two, additionally, in accordance with his sovereign power and the hidden purposes of his own will, by which as he pleases, he extends or withholds favor. God decided not to include the rest and to foreordain them to be inflicted with dishonor and anger for their sin to the praise of his glory and his justice. Next slide. This is vitally important here because after this, I won't make any more mention of it, but I do want to make this point because this is Bible stuff, heavy. I could probably just feel it in the atmosphere. Some of you are like, wow, that's not fair. There's a lot of questions like that. But when you read the Bible, it is very clear. Um, and so the next time we preach, that I preach, we're going to deal with the sovereignty of God and salvation. Why are you saved? And others may not. It's all over the Bible. You have to slow down, catch it, and read it. So today we're going to read a lot of scripture. But Westminster Confession of Faith says, this doctrine of the high mystery of predestination is to be handled with special prudence. And so, Father, I pray right now that as I 
step into this by your sovereign will that I too walk gently under your care, under your love, and that I handle this subject matter with prudence. And so, Father, I commit and fast that I am a feeble man able to make many mistakes. And so, Holy Spirit, I need you to come and to help me in how I announce, pronounce, or say or read scriptures, not with pride, not with dominance, not with anything, but let your word be true and everyone else. And so, Father, I submit this to you, that you would grant me by your spirit the heart of prudence as we discuss something that you are sovereign over all and in all. It's in Jesus name I pray. Amen. Should be handled with special prudence. Prudence meaning not rambunctiously overzealous, tactful with humility, with a sense of brokenness, with a sense of reverence that I'm speaking and knowing full well on a day where I will come before the great sovereign king and have to give a an account for my life and the words that I've spoken from this pulpit or any other pulpit. For you, that may not shake you in your boots. For me, it does. Because the gift that I have that God's been given to me to speak where I know I couldn't speak, I stuttered, I know I didn't work hard for it, it's the gift of God. And one day God's going to hold me accountable for what I spoke. So I take it very seriously. Which leads me next to my next slide. As we speak today about God's sovereignty and evil and suffering, knowing that I've suffered, we're suffering, even in the midst of this COVID-19, we're suffering in so many ways because we're not able to do what we were doing a few months ago. But if you just want to be biblical with it, and you're just reading your Bible, it's okay. I want to know where suffering, evil, all where it comes from. And so you read a text like this in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, and God talking to Adam, and the Lord God commanded, gave him a command, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I put there underline because I want you to see it. So if you were reading your Bible chronologically, you started with Genesis, you would say, okay, first time the word evil shows up. So here it is. And God is giving this command to this first human being, say, hey, there's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. I don't want you eating from it. And then he says, he gave a command not to eat from it. He said, for on the day that you do eat from it, you will certainly or surely die. So if you're reading that, come across that, you say, wow. So the first thing you need to notice there is that um, disobedience to the sovereign God results in death. COVID-19, cancer, or any other disease by way of murder, suicide, or whatever it may be. And then you ask the question, what is death? Don't have time to explain it tonight, but we have explained it here before. Physical death, and then you have spiritual death. And here God is talking about both. Physical, spiritual. Physical is separation of the soul from the body. Spiritual death is separation from your spirit, from God's spirit, where you are dead in your sins and trespasses. Next slide. Um, some of y'all, I post this on Facebook. Some of y'all may have seen it and it's been posted all over social media. This man here has impacted a lot of people, such as myself, uh, a lot of hip hoppers in the Christian hip hop, Craig posting about Trip Lee. He's probably one of the foremost apologists, one who defends the faith. Um, his 
ministry has reached down from the hood to the highest heights of the academia world. So he has a ministry that expands throughout the world. And I think he may be on his last few breaths that God has allowed him to have. I think he's early 70s. And so he's dying. But here's what he says in this, one of his many profound quotes that he's had all over the internet and all of his books. He says, as one who has stood before various audiences around the world facing hard questions for over four decades, that's 40 years now, I can almost predict one question I will get in nearly every setting whether in a public forum or a private conversation, it is how can I believe in a sovereign, big, almighty God that exists with so much evil in the world? I haven't have nowhere, no ministry like Dr. Ravi, and I get it. If God is God, why is so much death? These questions are real. Next slide. We ask them all the time. That's what I want to speak into, questions like this. How can God be God if there is so much evil in the world? Where was God when the Atlantic slave trade was happening? Where was he? Ever asked that question? I did. Where was God when the Holocaust was happening? When all those children and Jews were being killed, hair being cut, where was God? Fair question to ask. Where was God when my grandmother died of cancer? Someone may be asking. Or my mother, or my dad, or my brother or sister. Where was he? Where is he? Where was God when he allowed the Hebrews to be Hebrews to endure 400 years of affliction in Egypt? It's right in our Bible. Where was he? And so Dr. Um, Ravi would say he gets that question all the time. And this is probably the prevailing, prevailing question behind most atheist hearts why they don't want to say they come to God because they cannot reconcile the suffering and the evil that they see and why God allows it to happen, to transpire. And so they say, I can't believe in a God like that. But most of them do not understand the story I just read to you in Genesis chapter 2. That's... And most people jump into Jesus without explaining some very simplistic, simple things about faith. Why you even need a savior? Save from what? You really have to slow it down and get people to think, you know, why do people die? Why are we all wearing masks here today? This is a great time to be evangelistic. So especially to people who are paganistic in their mind, who are not thinking about these things. Why is it that we're hiding? What is death? Why do we all bunker down, fist bumping, air bumping, six feet distancing? Why? Death. Why is it here? Where did it come from? Explain it to people. Break it down. Don't skip over it. Talk to them in the office. Do a Zoom. Who made death? Who created it? Why is it that we mourn and we grieve when our people that we love die? Those are very important philosophical, spiritual realities that no one can deny. Everyone in this room, unless Jesus comes back, we are going to die either by murder, suicide, cancer, some disease, plane crash, car crash, heart attack, Robbery, whatever you want to call it. Some way, we're getting out of here. 
A lot of people die every single day. So these are great questions to be asking. So next slide, it speaks to this, just gonna, I'm gonna go up high. High meaning to a transcendent God. Transcendent mean God transcends over our finite thinking sometimes. He's transcendent, but he's eminent. Who was holy, sits in the holy place, became human, eminent, dwelt among us. But before he did that, he was transcendent, high and holy, all of eternity. So Psalms 105, 23, 25 says, this God that we serve and what he does and how he interacts with human beings says, then Israel went to Egypt and Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham. We know we talked about Genesis, Jacob with the 12 sons, with the four wives or girlfriends live in, whatever you want to call it. Two wives and two side checks. And Jacob lived with them and he lived in the land of Ham, referring to Egypt. And then the Lord made his people very fruitful. And he made them more numerous than their foes, the Egyptians. But look at this next verse. He made them very fruitful and more numerous than their foes, than their enemies, whose hearts, referring to the Egyptians, whose hearts he turned to hate his people and to deal deceitfully with his servants, the Israelites, the Hebrews. God turned their hearts towards his people so that they hated them. Next slide. I used to read past texts like this. But now as I've gotten older, so you get older, you, you stop, think, reflect, selah, meditate. Huh? <laughs> God turning? See, that goes over most people's heads because they're just like, I don't understand what. Look at this text. But King Sihon of Heshbon would not let us travel through his land when God brought his people out of Egypt. For the Lord your God had made his spirit, King Sihon, stubborn and his heart obstinate in order to hand him over to you as has now taking place. I come back to this king and the other text and many more, but I'll make this statement. We have no idea what grace is. Zero, very little. We actually think, and this is part of the problem, that we are good by ourselves. So when you read this text and you read the creed, the chat read that God foreordains what's over the past and he's not the author of sin, it's like, well, sin is here, evil people are here, but we don't understand the fall. When God said don't eat of this tree, Adam being the federal head of all humanity, God said, now today you open that can of worms, that Pandora box. But that even itself, you got to ask, well, why God let a tree be in the garden in the first place? Now you start getting real philosophical. <laughs> but King Heshbon, King Sihon, God made his spirit stubborn and his heart obstinate in order that he would hand him over. Next slide. The crucifixion of Jesus was the greatest act of evil and suffering committed in the universe under the sovereignty of God. You can't get no greater act of evil and 
high treason than the suffering and the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 100% God, no evil, no guile, no porn, no cheating on the taxes, no lust, no white lies, no lies. Pure, holy, righteous, takes on the sins of his bride. Now that's a story. Now you say to yourself, Pastor Hardy, that's a crazy story. So the question we ask again, where was God? Now, Carl, go back to, I think I have it here already. Next slide. Where was God? So I read it. Now let's read it again. Let's, under God's sovereignty, let's see where God was when his son was being crucified and was suffering and was, was killed at the cross. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs that God did among you through him. Just as you yourselves know, though he was delivered up according, where was God? According to God's determined plan. The word determined there means to appoint. There is no osmosis in this text. He was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge means to know beforehand what will happen. God knew and he was right there the whole time. To the foreknowledge. And you use lawless people to nail him to the cross and kill him. The greatest act of evil is happening. And where is God? And the word of God says to us that he, in his foreknowledge, delivered him up, determined, appointed him to be there. And the lawless men that were there took out nails and took out hammers and they nailed him to a cross. And where was God? Right there. Watching his plan from all eternity unfold before his watchful eyes. Next slide. For in fact, in this city, both Herod punches Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, they assemble together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Look at this word. To do whatever. Whose hand? Their hands. Their hands were there to do whatever your hand and your will, according to your knowledge, had predestined to take place. As I said before, I don't think we really understand grace. I heard people say, and I used to say it, but I don't say it no more, that if I would have been there because I love Jesus so much now, that there was no way that I would have participated with all of Pontius Pilate and, and the Gentiles and, and Herod, I wouldn't have run, ran out the room and ran and found a, a jar of vinegar and ran back to Jesus and say, hey, drink this, because I would have somehow by my great understanding, I wouldn't have been able to see that who he was. That somehow Alton Hardy would have just been able by his own bootstraps 
theology, he would have just been able to just avail and not fall into the trap that so many did. We just would have been on the outside. I don't think so. You know how I know that? Next text, Carl. We're going to spend this next time on Apostle Paul. You know why I know this? Because you're going to see this in Paul's life. But most Christians read right over it. They don't see it. Paul was not a good guy. So let's go to the text. Again, Acts chapter 9. Got to let Carl go there because I read it before, but now he's got to backtrack and go there. Acts chapter 9. I want you to see this. Was, yeah, Acts chapter 9. That's why I messed up, Carl. We're missing a few verses here, but let me read it. Stay there. Don't move it down. I messed up. Uh, I want to read to you guys verse 10 to 13, then I'll go back up on the screen. It says, there was a, was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. First thing I want you to hear, Ananias was a disciple. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, here I am, Lord, he replied, get up and go to the street, go, get up and go to the street called Straight. I want to make a point here, and this is not my sermon, but I want you to see and how God is talking to his disciple Ananias, how God is very specific about what he's telling him to do. I, I, sometimes I look at some Christians, they seem to never hear God in his clear order where he wants them to go, where he wants them to live. It's always left up to what they want to do. But here in the text, hey, Ananias, yes, Lord, I want you to go night down to Hoover. I want you to go to a street called Straight Street. It's not just any street. It's Straight Street. <laughs> he says. And the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas and asked for a man named Tarsus, named Saul. Since he is praying there in a vision and he has seen a man named Ananias. So God on both sides of the spectrum is talking to Ananias' disciple and God is showing himself to a new disciple that he's about to call into the work of ministry. Guess who's the common denominator? All sovereign seeing I God. He's not Stephen Wonder and Ray Charles. He has perfect, perfect vision. He's seeing everything. And he's about to connect these two for a greater purpose. So go to the straight street. He's there praying. And then verse 13, and the Lord Ananias, you can't talk back to the Lord if you don't understand some things. Like I did. I said, Lord, I came to Fairfield. I said, Lord, I like urban ministry, but I've never seen this many houses blown up before. This is like Baghdad on steroids. Maybe I can get in the middle, a little homewood in there, a little, a little Inslee back and forth. No, all Fairfield, full tilt Fairfield. You can, so Ananias just, Lord, I have heard from many people about this man how much harm, the Greek word there, Saul of Tarsus before God called him, Paul was a bad man. How much evil and affliction and pain and suffering and distress that he has caused many of the saints in Jerusalem. Paul was no joke. Paul didn't have God's grace on him then. It was on him, but he didn't know it. And he was causing much harm to the people of God. So Ananias is like, Lord, I know you sovereign, but this guy is causing much harm to us in Jerusalem. 
Saul was not a good guy. So how does a good guy, how does a bad guy become a good guy? As I said earlier, I don't think we understand grace. So when grace is not there, we're all son of Tarsus. We're all King Sihon. We're all wicked and evil and defiled. If God doesn't touch us, we will all be in poor souls. You will all be tax cheaters, idolater worshipers. And most Christians don't understand that. In the two texts I read to you earlier, when they say God turned their hearts, all God does is remove his grace and God let us do what our hearts wants to do. He's not doing it. He's just, okay, that's, that's what you're going to do anyway. Because without God's grace, we will kill our mamas. That's what God is trying to show us. We are the Canaanites. God says in Deuteronomy, I didn't pull you and save you out of because you were better than any of the other ites. You're not better, Israelites. As soon as God brings them out in the wilderness, Moses goes up the mountain. What do they do? They take off their clothes and throw a freak nick like in Atlanta. They were no better. Here's the issue, and neither are you and I. So when it says God turned their hearts, what is he doing? He's pulling his grace back and let you and I be what we are, which are natural born sinners. You don't become a soul if grace don't enter your life. That's who he was until grace shows up. We don't understand grace because we think we're actually not better. We're better than the porn people in, in the porn industry. You know why we're not better? Because the research shows that we're not better. Because right now in this epidemic, there are more Christians, professing Christians, watching porn. That's how we know. And if you was given the opportunity to make money, you would leave Urban Hope and be over there, and your name would be Jim Jones or somebody. I said, I know that guy. <laughs> Trying to trick us now. Brother. Sisters, that's why when you see people on drugs or doing crazy stuff, please never say in your heart, like the publican went up the ladder and said, I thank God I'm not like him. If God pulled his grace off of you, he doesn't cause us to do evil. He just rules his grace. It's grace is stopping us. That's why I had Chad read Titus 2, the grace of God that has appeared to us to help us to deny. We're not better. It's taken me a long time to understand. I am no different than any gang banker. Left to myself, I would have killed a lot of people. That's why grace is so sweet. So God says, he has the authority, Ananias says, from the priest to arrest all who call in your name. But the Lord said, go, for he's my chosen instrument, elect. How? Why? God said, he mine. We deal with salvation on next week, but for now, suffering and evil. So take my name to the Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. Next text, sorry, then I got to get done here. To show him how much he will suffer. Greek word, evil, afflictions, pains, backstabbings, thrown over the ship, kicked, whipped, beat up, spit on, oppressed, downpressed, suppressed, me too, all kinds of stuff Paul went through. And look how the sovereign God says on the front end. Now, if God told some of us today who say, I want to be used by God, 
how you're going to get racism on you. Most of us say, I, de- I don't want that guy. Nah, nah, I, I, give me Michael Todd theology. I want to be blessed coming in and coming out. <laughs> I want to have it house on the hill, God. I don't want all that. But God tell you, no, you're going to be spat upon. You're going to be beaten. They're going to call you this and that. Well, I don't know. I ain't, that's not what they told me at that conference. They told me if I get God and I do it in two plus two, always equals four, then I'm going to get the house on the hill. Blessing in, blessing going. <laughs> but Paul, next slide, tell him how much he's going to suffer. Next slide, Carl. It says, 2 Corinthians, on the next slide, Paul's, oh, I'm sorry, Carl, I'm, Paul gets into his stories about his life. He says, speaking as a fool, however, I can't match that anyone um, else dares to post about. Are they Hebrews? Paul was a Hebrew. So am I. Are there Israelite? So am I. Are there descendants of Abraham? Paul says, so am I. Are there the servants of Christ? I am speaking like I am out of my mind. But I am so much more. It is harder labor. I've had more imprisonments. I've been so in prison so many times by the state of some country and some lawyer and some judge. Paul said, I don't have enough fees to get enough lawyers to fight all this stuff. He's had so many imprisonments and, wor- and worse beatings by the police state, whoever they were at the time. They were police type people beating them up. And infrequent danger of death, always not knowing who his true friend was, who had a knife in their back, who had an AR-15 was going to shoot him. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Spent a night and a day in the open sea. They could have made a movie on my life, Paul says. In my frequent journeys, I've been danger from rivers and from bandits, goons, and danger from many countrymen and from the Gentiles, in danger in the city and in the country, in danger of the sea, and among false fake shakers and brothers who say they love me, but behind my back, they got their knife stuck in me. Paul said, I could write the song, but the OJ stole from me. Backstabbers. Paul said, they're all around me. And in labor and in toil, I'm often without sleep. See, some of y'all don't know how often I don't sleep. Sandra so used to be saying it. I've just been, it's been most of my life being in ministry, carrying weight, and I don't have nowhere near the, the weight that he had. Sleep and in hunger and thirst and often without food and cold and exposure. Paul goes on, apart from these external trials, if I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches who are whining and crying, fighting among each other, all the race and ethical and ethnicity happening all in Galatia and all in Ephesus and all in all the churches, I got to write to them. I got to intercede for them. They want to tear each other necks off. Paul said, I'm stressed out. Who is weak? And I'm not weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not burn, burn with grief. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses, Paul says. Paul says, I'm beaten down. God told him this on the front end. Coming to a close. Last slide. Paul is not a whiner. Paul is walking with this sovereign God. Next slide, Carl. I end here. It says, it takes a while to get to this verse for some of us. 
I couldn't do this first six months in ministry, first six months in being a Christian. It takes a while to get to where Paul's about to say here. Some of you are not there. That's okay. This is, this is meat on the bones right here. You won't run to, see, Paul ain't running to CNN. He's come to understand the sovereign God and evil and injustice and suffering that's under God's rule. And this is why he can say this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, all over the world, all Christians, that what has happened to me actually advance the gospel. See, when you start that walk with God for a while, when you understand, that's why Paul, you read his writings, I am what I am by the grace of God. I am the least of all the saints. Here is theology. Paul says, Paul, I said, I was a murderer. But you talk to many Christians, you can't even get a good bump of their pre- God days, it's almost like they go from nothing wrong to a little help on Jesus' side. Is that the gospel? No. If God pulls his grace back, <laughs> I want to get too deep. See? That's why you guys listen to older preachers. I mean, y'all, try as much as you can. I'm 54, but get some older guys than me. Stop listening to these 20-somethings tell you our hearts are wicked and defiled. When God pulls his grace back, brother, sisters, trust me, I know. Stuff has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known. Look. Because all this suffering I've gone, all this evil I've been inflicted with has happened to me throughout the world, has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. <laughs> That's why God is so wise and so bad. Satan can't win. So this is what God gave me this picture today. He says, okay. If I go beat her up, make her do all kind of crazy stuff, I can't kill her because God won't let me. And then what he going to do, she out there prostituting, stripping and doing everything, all kinds of drugs, banning her children. And then one day she's going to hear the preacher. She's going to get saved. Her eyes going to be available. And she already got a good voice. The world tried to use her. And she made a few hits. And now she gets saved, filled with God's love and his spirit. And Satan said, I tried to kill her. I had to do all the drugs. I beat her up. I had to pimp, hit her in the head with a hammer. I had the police shoot at her with an AR. And she didn't die. God wouldn't let her die because he kept stopping me from killing her. And then she's filled with the Holy Ghost. And now she's saved. And now, oh, no, she's going to kill me. Now she got a testimony. <laughs> and I'm the one that gave it to her. Satan said, I can't win. No, you can't. <laughs> I had the guy get swung chains at him, spread upon, called the N-word, didn't let him talk, fragile in his mother's belly. He shouldn't have committed suicide, and when he wanted to do it, he, he, the demons weren't strong enough to make him do it, and now he's an urban pastor in the PCA in Fairfield. And because of his story that I did to him, it's being told <laughs> what Paul is saying. They know because of my imprisonment, it's because I am in Christ. And most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. Where was God? <laughs> 
in Paul's life and in your life. Right where he's always been, doing what he's always done, working out his plans and purposes according to his will and not ours. Brothers and sisters, that's God's sovereignty. Close your eyes and me pray. Father, thank you for your word. The word is powerful. The word is omnipotent. It doesn't return void. It goes out and it accomplishes that for which it has been sent to do. Lord, I thank you so much that there are things going on in our lives that we cannot control nor fix. Broaden our horizon in who you are for us, that we are your disciples and you are making us an instrument of righteousness for your namesake, not for ours. Suffering, hardships, tribulations, it's a part of the life that you've told us over and over again that we would encounter. We must go through many hardships, tribulations, Acts 14, 22, as we entered into the kingdom of God. Evil is here. Father, I thank you that you've allowed for us to see that evil doesn't triumph your goodness. In fact, evil helps build the testimony that you are greater than anything that can be against us. We love you and we praise you. It's in your name. Amen. Stand to your feet. Jude 1. Receive this benediction. It says, Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. God bless you. Amen.